The epistle for the Feast of the Ascension is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. The former treatise I made, O Theophilus, of all things which Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day on which, giving commandments by the Holy Ghost to the apostles whom he had chosen, he was taken up, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many proofs, for forty days appearing to them and speaking of the kingdom of God. And eating together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but should wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard, saith he, by my mouth. For John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. They therefore who were come together asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel? But he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the moments which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had said these things, while they looked on, he was raised up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were beholding him going up to heaven, Behold, two men stood by them in white garments, who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come as you have seen him going into heaven. And the Holy Gospel. It's taken from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 16. At that time, as the eleven were at table, Jesus appeared to them, and he upbraided them with their incredulity and hardness of heart, because they did not believe them who had seen him after he was risen again. And he said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe, In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. And the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God. But they going forth preached everywhere, the Lord working with all and confirming the word with signs that follow. Thus far the words of the Holy Gospel. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? These words are taken from the epistle for the Mass today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear friends, since the dawn of Christianity, the Catholic faith has been mercilessly attacked by various persecutions and by many heresies. In the early centuries of the Church, there were a total of ten general Roman persecutions. They ranged from the year 64 to 313. 
And in the course of these 10 persecutions, an estimated 11.4 million Catholics were put to death for their faith. Among these heroic Catholics was a young man whose name was Symphorian. Symphorian was the son of noble and devout Christian parents, and he himself was remarkable for his love of God and for his practice of virtue. He had been studying at the renowned university in Autun, a city located in what we know today as France. One day, Symphorian happened to come upon a pagan procession in the streets of Autun. Carried on a chariot in this particular procession was a statue of the pagan goddess named Sibylle. Sibylle was revered as the mother of the gods, and so the streets were absolutely thronged with people paying their homage and adoration to this statue. During the great pomp and celebration that rang out through the streets, someone in the crowd noticed that Symphorian was not honoring the statue. He was thus seized by the mob for his disrespect, and he was brought before the governor of Autun, a man by the name of Heraclius. Heraclius asked the 20-year-old Symphorian why he refused to honor the image of the goddess. Because I am a Christian, Symphorian said. I worship the true God who is in heaven, not the statues of demons. And if someone were to give me a hammer, he said, I would smash your idol to pieces. The governor responded to this by causing the edict of the pagan emperor Marcus Aurelius to be read. The decree which ordered that all men, women, and children in the empire worship the pagan gods. Symphorian remained unmoved by this display of power and he continued to express his disgust for the pagan gods. Heraclius then ordered that he be beaten with clubs and afterwards imprisoned. Two days later, Symphorian was again brought before the governor. And the governor, knowing that threats would not move this man, attempted to bribe him to offer a sacrifice to the goddess. And this he did by promising Symphorian great wealth and a high place in the government if he would do so. But not even these empty promises could weaken the young man's resolve. I do not fear your torments, Symphorian said, neither do I esteem your honors. Our God has in heaven greater and higher honors for those who are faithful to him, as well as the most terrible punishments for those who disobey him. Therefore, concluded Symphorian, 
it is better for me to suffer now at your hands and so come to my eternal king in heaven than to give my soul to Satan by obeying you. Symphorian was declared guilty of treason towards the gods and towards the state, and he was sentenced to death by the sword. Now, as Symphorian was being led out of the city to the place of execution, his heartbroken mother followed behind him. She, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, followed her own son to his Calvary. And as they approached the walls of the city, she hastened out of the crowd and went by stairs to the top of the city walls. This was her last opportunity to speak to her son on this earth. And so as she saw her son pass out of the city gates, she cried out from the wall, My son, my son Symphorian, remember the living God and be of good courage. Look up to heaven, my dearest boy, she said. Look up to heaven. Think of the God who reigns there and fear not, for you go to a death which leads to eternal life. With a renewed courage, Symphorian glanced one last time at his mother. He then raised his eyes to heaven. And turning, he continued on his way to the place of execution. St. Symphorian was beheaded for the faith on August 22nd, a feast that he now shares with the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Today, my dear friends, we celebrate the glorious feast of our Lord's ascension into heaven. The Church has kept the Feast of the Ascension since the time of the Apostles. In fact, St. Augustine, the great doctor of the Church, tells us that the Feast of the Ascension is of such antiquity that it was universally observed in the Church long before even his time. The Ascension, as one author puts it, is the crown. It's the crown of our Lord's work of the redemption. Our divine Savior, as you know, was conceived by the Holy Ghost of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem in a cold, dark cave. He lived a life of prayer and solitude for almost 30 years. He then spent the last three years of his life preaching, working miracles, and establishing his church. And finally, having taken his sins upon himself, he paid the price for them at Jerusalem by his passion and death. He was falsely accused, scourged, spit upon, and crowned with thorns. He carried the cross to Calvary and hung upon it for three hours 
enduring the most unspeakable pains of body and soul before he died. Three days later, he rose from the dead, as he said he would, and thus overcame his enemies and death itself. Forty days afterwards, he ascended into heaven. And now today, we celebrate his triumphant entry into heaven. Whereas we proclaim in the Apostles' Creed, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And there he has not forgotten us, but he has prepared a place for each and every one of us. In his discourse at the Last Supper, our Lord said to the apostles and to us, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I shall go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you also may be. And thus today's feast is a feast of great hope. It is, as a certain priest writes, a sweet foretaste of heaven. For by going before us, by preparing a place for those he loves, our divine Savior has given us a right to follow him there one day. But my dear friends, if we are to one day follow our Lord to heaven, to occupy the place that he has prepared for us, we must, as the martyr Symphorian's mother exhorted him, we must look up to heaven. We must keep our eyes fixed on Christ. And we must do this like the apostles who kept their eyes fixed on him while he ascended into heaven. We must look up to heaven in times of trial, sorrow, and suffering, knowing that our divine Savior and his blessed Mother will be there for us, no matter how difficult the situation may be. And we must also look up to heaven by valuing the things of God more than the things of this earth. We must see the things of this earth, the pleasures and pastimes, the news and the entertainment, the material things of this world. We must see these things for what they are, passing and transitory. And we must not allow ourselves to become preoccupied with them to the neglect of our faith. We must instead give the things of God first place in our lives. The holy sacrifice of the Mass and the sacraments, our faith and our morals. We must make these things the most important things in our lives and in the lives of our families. In other words, we must strive to keep our priorities straight. Attentive 
and devout attendance at Mass must come before other events. The frequent reception of the sacraments must come before other worldly engagements. Prayer. Prayer must come before movies, television, and sports. The duties of our state in life must come before the entertainment and the news. The rosary. The rosary must come before the phone and the tablet. This is what it means, my dear friends, to have our priorities straight. And if we are faithful in this, if we consistently put the things of God over the things of this world, then we have our eyes fixed on Christ. Then we, like the apostles and the heroic saint symphorium, then we are looking up to heaven. And we, like them, will, with God's grace and our persevering efforts, we will overcome the snares of this world and the lures of the devil. And we will obtain the glorious place that awaits us in heaven. That place which our divine Savior went to prepare for us this day, the day he ascended into heaven. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.